This is The First Stop, a podcast with the aim of exploring the minds of artists in and around New Haven. I'm your host, David Livingston, an artist and educator. In this episode, we'll navigate the mind of New Haven-based artist Paul Terrio. The works discussed in this podcast can be found on our blog at firststopart.com. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at firststop.art. And subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or your preferred podcasting app. Paul is an electronic media artist working with computers, cameras, televisions, scanners, and more. He seems to have empathy for the often slightly outdated technology he tinkers with, mapping emotional and cerebral processes onto them. He is also an abstract oil painter who paints on scanner beds rather than canvases. These paintings are always a race to make way for a new painting, but they live on as moments captured by the programmed eye of the scanner. Sometimes these digital images are printed out, and other times they are displayed on the backlit surface of a deconstructed flat screen television. In this episode, Paul and I discuss his fascinating process and the ideas behind his work. Did you know that there's like an ice hockey coach with your name? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> there's a, I looked it up. Um, there's two other. There's two other uh, visual artists that I know. One of them. One of them is. I Bo- saw another visual. The, artist. the one in Boston. It's kind of funny. Every. I would say, at least every two years, I'll get some email and it's and it'll say something like, "We really like the first one. Was we really like that Asian looking piece that you did? Can you do?" <laughs> And I like searching my brain, like thinking about it. I was like, what did I do that? You know, I just and then, saw and then it was... dawned on me. I was like, uh, you're looking for this Paul Terry in Boston. And then, and does he do circular paintings? Yes, yeah. I just was looking at him because I just Googled. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. And um, I was like, this does not look like you're yeah. like the Paul Terry I know. And um, and since every now and then I still get those. They're, and it's weird because they're usually from my website. And I wonder what people are looking at. Because yeah. my work looks nothing like his, but they're coming from my website and requesting like a painting from him. That's fine. And, and I'm like, but didn't did you just think that he went in a radically different direction? That's <laughs> you <know>? funny. That's <laughs> so funny. <laughs> it's, it's like I, I've I've actually reached out to him because I wanted to do like a like, like a, a satire a, show or, or just like a mirror mirror show. You know, it was like mm-hmm. both of us together. You know, and it would just be like. A group show, but it would just be called Paul Terrio. That that would be awesome. And there's, that would there's, be awesome. There's another one that moved to Chicago that. right after I left, and he's also he's he's not that dedicated of a visual artist, but he does have a website and he makes work. That is. And I was trying to get all three of us at one point. I was like, that would be a really good show. That that's a cool idea, yeah. actually. <laughs> you should do it. Um, well, so I I think. First of all, welcome to the first stop. I'm really excited to have you on. Yeah. And I've actually, I've kind of wanted you on for a while. Um, and I'm glad that I get the opportunity. Yeah, thank you. Now, yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I think we should start just by talking a little bit about what your work looks like. 
mm. for people who may not have seen it um, and, and the kind of materials that you're working with. And obviously you've already had a long career and done a lot of different things, but um, we could start with these video paintings. Mm -hmm. Can you just describe, for instance, the process by which you start to make these works and then what they ultimately become? Yeah, well, I guess the first thing for this particular series would be stripping um, a flat screen television of all of its, all of the um, plastic and speakers and all the surrounding frame. And so then what you're left with is just a bare metal framework. Um, for these particular pieces, then what I would do, I'd lay them flat on a table and I would start making on a separate computer, start making a, just a, just a digital painting, um, you know, using Photoshop and we'll kind of go back and forth. You know, I'll save that digital image, put it on a media player that's attached to the monitor that's stripped down, display that, broadcast that image on that monitor and then start physically adding components to the screen of the television and then go back and forth and then go bring that file back, do a little more painting, put it back on the monitor, add some more components. The smoother way for me to do it would probably be to hook a computer up to the monitor that I'm working on and just run it that way and, and draw mm -hmm. and, and then add components. But I work kind of clunky like that sometimes. I don't, mm -hmm. not so good at streamlining. Would you consider yourself first and foremost uh, like a digital artist? Would you call yourself a digital artist or would you call yourself something else? Um, I call myself an electronic media artist. Yeah. Um, and I used to, uh, and when I did work more digitally where it was, you know, yeah. never really, there wasn't that much physical, you know, hand in the work. Yeah. Um, so th back then I would consider, and when I was more video and just straight video, but since they've grown to be these, you know, singular objects that like have a lot of like physical elements to them, I, yeah, it's, it's more electronic media and fundamentally, like, I think I'm just a painter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm just a painter. And yeah. I, I work with odd materials. I mean, it was interesting when you were talking about your scanner paintings, which we'll, we'll talk about, you said in this little blurb that you gave me of, of your work that you'd been working digitally or electronically and you wanted to get back to painting. And the last time you'd painted was when you were a teenager. Yeah. <laughs> and so what did you do in between that time? Like when you were a teenager and did pretty much just all electronic video, yeah. Um, you know, Photoshop images, um, like digital painting, you know, which eventually became like that. That when that started to become a thing, and they started becoming more like paintings, and I started learning in ways to work in Photoshop, where I wasn't just mushing images together; I was actually, you know, treating it like paint. Yeah. Um, yeah. Why, why do you think you took the electronic path and not the painter path? Because you are a painter. Yeah. You know. Well, electronics, I started playing with electronics at a very young age. Um, yeah. The first instance I remember, my brother and I had a tape recorder that we got for Christmas, just a cassette recorder, and we would record. He was older than me, so he would write the dialogue and stuff. He would mm -hmm. script, script out historical reenactment scenarios, and then we'd also record movies off the television. We'd hang the microphone from mm -hmm. the speaker and then memorize scenes from movies and reenact them just mm -hmm. on audio. And then... 
I remember we got this reconditioned VCR and it had this really weird feature called audio dub. And so you could be watching a movie and have a microphone plugged into the VCR. And when you hit audio dub, you could record over the existing audio in the movie. So then we started doing that. We'd memorize and then record our own voices doing the dialogue. And then, you know, from there, when I was in high school, there was an AV club and I was pretty interested in that. And it was sort of abandoned by the time I was in high school, but they had really old TV cameras in there that we got to play with and a bunch of audio gear. And so I was invested in that. And then there was one class in high school that I took called Film as Literature. And this teacher, she, at that time, by that time, I'd got my hands on like a really beat up old VHS camcorder. And she was allowing me to turn in my assignments as videos rather than written assignments. So That's she, awesome. Yeah, so she would, wow. she, she, you yeah. know, we, we came to an agreement because I was a poor student, but she let me do that. And it was like, <laughs> so yeah, and then it just, you know, then it just kept going from there. You know, we got my first computer. I got, you know, we got an Amiga that had paint programs, started pixel painting. And it just always felt comfortable. Yeah. You know, the closer and closer I got to it. And I've never had the newest stuff, and I, I still don't really play with the newest. I just play with whatever is at hand. I just mm -hmm. resource it. I, as a consumer of, like, media and a consumer of electronics, I appreciate the things that they can do. Yeah. And I think you tend to kind of want to like break them or take them <laughs> apart or yeah. something like that and figure out how they work and like what it, what's the kind of the wizard behind the or yeah. you know what I mean what's behind this illusion yeah that's that is a big thing i mean when i've you know after my amiga the first pcs i got i did want them to be you know powerful machines cuz this was back in mid 90s and I was trying to edit video so you you know and that was very expensive and so I had to learn to build my own computers so there was a couple of websites that I'd go to and would do research and find what motherboard would match with what processor and what memory and what what case would accommodate that motherboard and so that way I could build a powerful PC at a, like affordable price yeah. and um and so so I did you know literally learn what what each component does and it doesn't really factor into how I work but it, um, you know it's in my brain yeah that I know what the machine does so when you take um for instance like looking at this one video painting three mm -hmm. it's painted with uh photoshop but then we don't just look at sort of what the screen the illumination of the screen you've interrupted that in mm -hmm. some ways or intervened into that with physical found objects like bubble wrap and you know scrap metal and stuff yeah. that's been found and then the frame has moss around it what do you think you're trying to do or add to the image by creating an assemblage almost on top of it um well these these ones in particular um the idea behind them was to to, to start doing landscape paintings. Mm -hmm. And I suppose that's with the physical elements. And what it turned into was I was creating the landscapes that I was painting. So, so the two sort of intertwine. So the, the background digital painting is sort of a painting of the landscape, but the landscape is the painting itself. Is, it, is the landscape a, a specific landscape? I No, not... not it's a it's an imagined yeah landscape. it's sort of an imagined were these paintings the ones that you said um you were using like sci-fi matte painting as an inspiration or is that another no, body those, of work? yeah that's another body of work 
Yeah. But <clears throat> yeah, and I, you know, at best they're they are imagined landscapes, but um I think the landscape painting idea started cuz I live in a big park and every day I walk mm -hmm. my dog through the woods and it's, you know, it's kind of my Walden, you know, I just, mm -hmm. I walk pretty much the same trails every single day for about an hour, sometimes more. And I've just gotten really comfortable in nature and viewing nature and, but not fully so that the, the reproduction of it, I don't feel the desire to reproduce what I see, mm -hmm. you know, but I, and I reproduce it electronically. So I don't feel like it should look like, the nature that I'm in, right? And this is sort of more right. an electronic landscape that I'm. What are these? Creating. These are objects that you find. Are, are they objects that you find littered in nature? Or are they just objects you find at the dump or objects? Yeah, you find? yeah, yeah. Just in yeah. life. Are you critical of the screen or enamored of the screen or kind of a combination of both? Like it, it's a combination because when you see them in a row, they. When you see them in person, they kind of just look like a blown up iPhone, right? Or something. They, do, they look. They look a lot. And like the fact that, yeah. that I leave the the back of the each image is just that beautiful, horrific bluish white light that we're yes. so immersed in in our yes. lives. And so, yeah. yeah, while we're in nature, we're still in this white screen. Are you by like taking the plastic covering off of these objects, trying to? remind us of their objecthood in a certain way yeah i'd have to think about that because i have this sense of they're such powerful objects any right. illuminated screen and we sort of they're so powerful that we get sucked into them and forget about them being objects almost right, right. because of the the magical things that they can do and i have a sense of you intervening in that kind of process by which we're so hypnotized by mm -hmm, them like mm -hmm. oh does you know take a look at how the screws that hold the screen right. together and the um yeah and yeah i, I know yeah because i leave the backs the sides open yeah like, yeah yeah sort of revealing the make the making behind yep the objects what made you want to add the mossy frame <laughs> on the objects i think that was to just sort of reinforce the nature that's mm -hmm. that's the only element of anything organic about yeah them. you know i'm still not entirely sure it's working i think it gives it a, a nature form yeah this makes me think also of the print that i have i don't know i find it really this interesting it, it's the geist geist, geist too. yeah because there's like a i don't know if it looks like a big rock or something mm. sitting in front of a monitor that you've painted on yeah and there's this sort of caveman quality. I just have to see it. A yeah, little I'll push I can't it over. Which one it is? And get my glasses. Yeah. Th so those that series, I was collecting monitors. Um, some of them I didn't paint. Some of them I painted on. And then I would collect and assemble sort of what I considered as a self-portrait that the monitor would have made of itself. <laughs> <laughs> so that that's why I, that's how I can say that's why I that's sort cool. of call him Geist because it was like. That's cool. You know, I was using my hands, but I was just trying to conjure what, you know, how a monitor might view itself if it was able to look at itself in the mirror. And then what, if it and had so, the capabilities, like what objects would it find to best represent how it felt? There is this humanization that mm. you're trying to do as well of the yeah. monitors. And yeah. Almost. Yeah. 
I mean, like po- posing them in kind of ways that I feel. Yeah, and I feel that's from interacting with electronics for such a long time. Yeah, I've often anthropomorphized them, and mm-hmm. also with older things, they sometimes have these weird glitchy spirits. You know, mm-hmm. I remember one of the first monitors I collected in high school. I found outside the mall in a shopping cart, and it would just periodically, you know, go on and off. You'd turn it on, and it would be on for four hours and be fine, and then it would become static and then it would shut off and then 25 minutes later it would just turn back on and i still have them so they so it's sort of a spooky yeah yeah they sort of have you know they're not intelligent but they still just have their they have their own personalities at times you know just like our computers do you know sometimes Mm -hmm. if you've ever had somebody where someone borrows your computer for 10 minutes and you get it back and then it's suddenly not running the way it was before even though they've done nothing to your programming or your operating system Right. So, what do you think that is? No what do you static current? I don't know. Do you think there's a spirit in in these objects? Not really. I mean, it's but you sort of believe it. Yeah. In a superstitious kind of yeah, way. Yeah, there is. Yeah, I, I yeah. definitely do. <laughs> and I don't really know what the spirit in me is. So yeah, know, yeah. So mechanically, you know, we're, it's built the same as me. It has you know it has a brain. It has you know sort of has veins and, you know, has all the components to be active and alive in its own way. That's fascinating. Do you view, for instance, now I'm kind of jumping around, but Mm. the scanner painting series, do you view these expressive abstractions that you use on the, in the scanner paintings and then project oftentimes on screens? Mm -hmm. Sometimes not, like sometimes you print them out Mm -hmm. and sometimes they're projected on screens, but do you view them as an electronic object expressing something? Or is it just... Those ones are just me. They're just those you, are, those yeah. Those are just me, yeah. Yeah. The the interaction with the, the connectivity with the computers, and um, it's that's just utilitarian. Now that, we, that I've started talking about the scanner paintings, would you tell me about the process by which you create these scanner paintings? Sure, sure, sure. I gave you that little blurb about them. It first started because I, I wanted to start painting. I wanted to try to do play with paint. And I really was at a loss as to how to do that. I knew nothing about handling paint, about stretching canvas, anything like that. And um, it was just out of ease because I was used to sitting at my computer desk and there was a scanner there and I just decided to start painting on the scanner. And at first I was just painting on the scanner, just scanning that. And it was pretty regular practice. Um, But when you paint on the scanner, the scanner only... You know, it only reads the underside of the glass that I'm right, painting on. Right. So that there were these incredibly flat, flat images. There was no brush strokes, no texture or anything. Mm-hmm. So it just looked like a very flat digital painting. You know, at that point, my digital paintings were becoming less flat. And so mm-hmm. I felt like I was working in reverse. And I thought about it for a little bit and then took an additional scanner that at that time was unpainted. It would put that on top of the other of the painted scanner and that would run both scans at the same time mm-hmm. so one scan would be all texture one scan would be flat and for that the earlier part of that series i would then take those two and kind of merge them in photoshop i would for a while i was digitally painting in there as well mm-hmm. and like kind of merge the two images and then create this painting um now I'm doing the similar method where I'm where it's um, a scanner on top of another scanner, 
but I only scan from the bottom and I now paint on both surfaces. So I'm, I'm merging, I'm doing the merging. Oh, you're just, so you're I'm doing a separate painting on each yeah. and then combining into one. Yeah. And just doing one uh. scan. So I'm painting on two different things. And when I'm painting on one scanner, when I'm painting each one, I have to think about what they're going to look when they're merged together. Yeah. As the first ones were disastrous, but <laughs> <laughs> but it, t- it took a little practice. and um. I had this kind of funny association when I was thinking about you making your scanner paintings, um, and it might be totally out of left field, but I was thinking about the, like, have you ever seen the Hans Namuth? Or I don't even know how his name is. He was like this German documentarian that documented Jackson Pollock. He did, made a documentary about him. Mm-hmm. And there's this part of that, that that documentary where he has Jackson Pollock painting on a plexiglass surface and he's underneath it with oh, a camera. Neat, neat, neat. <laughs> and I just, like, I thought about your scanner paintings kind of in that context. Also because they, I, they have a sort of almost like a de Kooning Mm. Qual- like an expressive, may- maybe an abex feeling to them. Mm-hmm. Not like a meat. I don't. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but yeah. a little bit. Yeah, I feel. I feel that as well. Yeah, yeah. Because it was when I first started doing it, it was that hadn't even crossed my mind that I would yeah. just be scanning the underside of a piece of glass. Because I'm yeah. here, I am painting it, and I was like, oh, this looks good, and you know. And then I scanned it, and I was like, this looks like shit. <laughs> what medium of like what kind of paint do you use? Um. I only I use oil paint, but that's only <laughs> because number one, I had a few tubes mm-hmm. that somebody had given me for the first ones, and then as the series continued, one of my neighbors, Tom, was getting rid of all his old oil paint because um, I guess it starts it starts weeping a little bit out of mm-hmm. the tubes. And, yes, I've and had Tom's that before. Tom's a serious painter, and so he just gave me you know four boxes of paint. That's awesome. So it's just kind of stuck with oil paint, and yeah, and in some ways it's it is it. It, it's a little bit easier to clean the surface of the scanners after after I'm done with the paintings and you know with oil paint I can sometimes I, I can just wipe it off in mineral spirit and clean it up you know if I yeah. let it dry yeah. I have to clean it with a razor and stuff but how much how many uses do you get out of the scanners like have you been using the same yeah. scanner beds yeah, same, for same three yeah one of them one scanner crapped out but it wasn't anything it just you know it just died mm-hmm. but um yeah, it doesn't it doesn't affect the machinery at all. It's interesting to me that you choose to scan the paintings. I I think it seems like really important to you that the paintings are scanned and and then go through this digitized electronic process and then mm-hmm. are are displayed electronically. Yeah, yeah. But you also seem to have like a true love of the process of painting. I do, I do. And when I was first doing these, there were two exhibitions where I actually did do you know two really large paintings on mm-hmm. canvas? I liked doing it, but I I got it out of my system. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> you I, were just I, done. I was I, I did it, it felt like that was an exercise, and I wanted to make a painting, and I'll probably make one or two again in my life. But you know, this, yeah, I just still it's still like that comfort level. I like I like the act of scanning it. I like the act of editing through you know looking at them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because I'll do, for one painting, there'll be about 25, 30 different scans that I do because I'll just keep changing the painting and scan it and look at it and scan it. And I'm just sort of more comfortable with that history. I think I like mm-hmm. that. I think I like the history. I know some painters have said when I was doing the big ones, painters, they were saying, you know, it's some things we do, it's 
similar to the scanner printing, they were like, we take pictures as we're doing it. So you remember what it looked like two days ago. Mm-hmm. You seem to be really fascinated with color, but also the texture of the paint and capturing that texture. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you just described how you scan both sides of the paint so that you could capture that texture, but then the texture ends up being completely yeah. <laughs> illusory, like it's a total illusion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, can you talk about that? Like, what is it about that that interests you, that illusion of it being real? Yeah. Yeah, that's a tough one. I think I was thinking about that today when I was adding yeah. a little bit more. I'm, I'm not really sure. Because these things, well, now that I'm doing this thing where I'm printing them again and then I'm printing a faux wooden frame and, and then mitering the, and attaching the frame to mm-hmm. the printed painting, yeah, they're just going into a weird place. Um, <laughs> like, <laughs> and this, this, this iteration is sort of new, so I, I, like, I don't really even know what that, because I want a, the frame to be separate. You know, it could just be printed as a frame on the print, but I want the frame to be, yeah, this is a tough one. Because I'm, I'm still kind of grappling with that myself, you know, what, the, mm-hmm. like, what that is. Because I also want there to be texture, or, you know, I want there to be texture of a frame to make, but it's still a flat frame because it's still just mm-hmm. made out of canvas. Yeah, I think, I, I don't think I want them to be illusionary, you know? Have you thought about 3D printing a surface? That's a thought. And then like printing the color on top of a 3D yeah, printing? Yeah, that's a thought, that's a thought. I mean, I was for a while painting on the scanner paintings. That was also yeah. when I first started. Oh yeah, integrating. I'd print, I'd print them out and paint mm-hmm. on them as I was learning like how to paint. And that was like the first initial exercises were when they were printed out, they still weren't there. So mm-hmm. I think it's just the, you know, the nature of paint. When you look at a painting, you know, that's, that's just a preference, you know. Because mm-hmm. I think, I don't think I'm trying to create an illusion because they're so not a painting when you look at them you know right like right you know even from far away they right no you're right they they don't register there's something like off about them they don't register as though i'm you know trying to do a reproduction of a painting they they register like a a very odd thing but i think that's part of the allure of them Mm -hmm. is that you have a moment of like this is a painting yeah and then you have the I at least I as a viewer have this sense of like it's so buttery and it's yeah, so yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? The yeah. the all that stuff that people love to talk about regarding a painting that's yeah. like abstract and using thick paint yeah. <laughs> that has texture is there. Yeah. But then it's not. And there's something about that absence of a real texture that that's both frustrating and incredibly satisfying at the same time (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah yeah i agree i agree but yeah i feel like i'm going to be trying to figure that one out are you interested in the fact that they're they're sort of temporary objects in a funny way like you are capturing in a way you're capturing a moment mm-hmm, and then like mm-hmm. reproducing that moment in the way that photographers capture a moment. Right. Right. Um, and then when somebody makes a painting, they like bring this physical object into the world. And when you print it out, you're bringing a physical object in, right. into the world too, but not in the same way. Yeah. Are you interested in that? Like sense of kind of hard <laughs> to pin down as, 
Well, some of the some of the reason I started moving from video and more to just digital painting was I didn't see the need to make time, you know, make make create actual time anymore, um, occupying in that sense. And my videos were getting really, really slower and becoming just, you know, one shot and it was mm -hmm. just hold there and the object wouldn't move and it was just nothing, <laughs> you know, and so it just, it seemed a logical decision to stop making video. Mm -hmm. And so there is something about these that I do feel are, like maybe that's what I'm trying to do with the texture is to go back and create time with them. I don't, mm -hmm. I don't know if that, I don't know if that makes sense. It does make sense in a way. Yeah. Because it is, I mean, it, in a way, like a video that's not moving is talking about time too, mm -hmm. but in a different kind of way. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, you're talking about this moment where the scanner bed yeah. is painted in a very particular way. And then the scanners, the, you know, the way they move, the scanners moving and the scanners, you know, yeah. physically, you know, surveying. It's not a quick capture. It's, it's, it's a survey of the right so it is in a so funny way motion. a video yeah. almost yeah that's cool but it's but i guess the the scanner's never going to be the same again right you you can't recreate i mean you you have the image mm -hmm. and so the image is what becomes yeah. the work oh but yeah but, but the scanner you can never physically make the scanner the same way again no no and i did every now and then i in the beginning i thought about just acquiring tons of scanners and then having them in paintings. And there was a while where I was taking paper and sort of just doing a pressing of it mm -hmm. and save that. But again, that, that activity, it just didn't seem to be necessary. I didn't, I didn't mind having it lost. I didn't yeah. mind having that moment lost. The moment that I wanted to achieve exists and. Yeah. And then goes away. Yeah. And, but, but then you have a picture. Then I have, yeah. Then yeah. I have the documentation of that moment. And there are these interesting, like looking at this one that's up on the blog, you know, there's this light of the scanner mm -hmm. kind of behind the painting. Yeah. Showing through the glass in this way that you, it could never be an actual painting. Yeah. Right. Um, that's when um, the scanners, when they scan each other, the, they ultimately, they, they scan each other at, at one moment in the painting. They overlap. And so it creates so this, like, funny. So they just create light. Um, these new ones, I'm kind of, I'm I'm in, including the light because I'm not doing a double scan. I like the light. It yeah. creates a kind of ghostly quality. Yeah. And that was fun to play around with. When I would do that, I would time them out in certain ways to like control where the light would affect the painting. Oh, wow. So, you know, I'd start a scanner and then wait, 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 and then start the second scan. And so, like, you know. And how did you, how did you know at that point, like where the camera would be in terms of the time. Had well, you just watched yeah, it so many times yeah, yeah, and timed watched, it? And you, yeah, I watched it and you could hear it. You could hear it scanning. Sometimes I would set them up, you know, one at lower resolution so it would scan quicker. And then the other one would drag. And so they would pass each other at different, you know. But yeah, now I'm just myself physically controlling where the light will be and how long it will be. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's for a short duration so the light will be diffused sometimes i'll just let it hang there so it really so you in some ways have this mastery over these little machines <laughs> or like gaining mastery over them yeah we're collaborating you're collaborating yeah <laughs> you're friends yeah we're, we're friends yeah. <laughs> um 
also there are these interesting like lines that are in some of them, like these hard hard oh. digital lines that. Well, some of those sometimes I just offset one scanner on top of the other, so I it see. just scans part of the the I secondary see. scanner bed, which is now that part is changes because I'm kind of sloppy, so mm-hmm. there's always new paint on that bit. So it's sort of it's it's like a history of the process, you know, mm-hmm. putting this weird registration of the scanners that happened before this scan into it. When a person, a viewer, walks into a gallery or your studio and they see one of these works in whatever iteration it's in, how do you want them to respond either emotionally or verbally or... Back in the day, I used to... It was frustrating because people would appreciate them and then when they found out that they were um, created digitally a lot of people would, you know, poo-poo them and you know, really? say, oh, a computer made that, oh. and, you know, throw their hands up and walk away. But, um, I mean, now it's become more and more, more and more artists work digitally. It's, it's so mm-hmm. commonplace. Um, I mean, people, I think people are interested in the processes, and that's, you know, mm-hmm. that's, that's kind of key to me, is if they, if they are receptive to hearing how they're made um, and provide input other than, saying, you know, that I should just be making a painting and I shouldn't, you know, mm-hmm. I, that's, I don't have anything specific that I want them to feel other than not disregard them. What would you say is your favorite part of this scanner process? Like, is it working on them in Photoshop after you've scanned the painting? Is it painting directly onto the scanner? Um, what, like, what part of the process do you feel like really speaks to you the the most? I think it's um, in the editing process and editing in, in the sense that just reviewing what I've done and, you know, sitting there for sometimes and ne- sometimes never achieving and, you know, so not discarding it, but just not, it's not yeah. when it's up for print, but just looking at the, looking at the, the process. Mm-hmm. Like the painting is fun, but I think I think I enjoy the, the editing after. The what do you like about the editing after? Uh, just trying to notice the nuance between, you know, what I find good and bad, you know, just trying to hone in on that, you know, whether it's just one little blob of the composition, you know, whether it's one blob of green that like ties the whole thing together Mm -hmm. or or one blob of green that destroys it. I wanted to ask you about the downs, down river Uh, or downstream. Sorry. I wanted to ask you about the downstream, uh, project and can you just, describe again what is going on in that and i can yeah. i can also move the yeah well it's going to be a series of probably nine to ten different flat screen monitors of various sizes and configurations um some are plasmas there's a couple of crts um there's a couple of cell phones that are going to be in it the first instance is a cell phone logged into an instagram account that is only following the hashtag nature and so it's all it's going to be set on auto refresh so it'll constantly be changing what image is being displayed on the cell phone if you ever look at hashtag nature it's all over the place so <laughs> okay cool i haven't it's looked a at forest it. sometimes yeah. it's a picture of somebody's boobs next to a sand sometimes <laughs> so, you know sometimes it's a car and there's right. a tree behind it you know people um so anyways that cell phone 
has a camera pointed at it, a, a video camera, and that video camera is broadcasting the image that it's looking at. It's looking at the screen. It's focused mm -hmm. on the screen and broadcasting that to another monitor, mm -hmm. which is the next monitor in succession. It's sort of a daisy chain. And that monitor now has is now displaying an Instagram screen off of a cell phone. And with similar to video paintings, I'm kind of adding some physical characteristics on top of the monitor. Um, I'm still working that out. So then that monitor has a camera fixed to it, which is looking at a broadcast of a cell phone screen. Mm -hmm. That video camera then in succession goes to another monitor and, and so on and so on. And this process keeps repeating. And so the original image just is slowly, slowly, slowly getting more and more diluted. And, and so in this one, I think, what do I have five or four for this? I think I only have four. You said that you make, you have like four to six, yeah. but you showed me four. Yeah. 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 And I think I, I ultimately, I think I want it to be nine, maybe, maybe more. I mean, this is a project that's, I'm going to have to find somewhere with space. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. You have a lot it, of screens. It, it, it yeah. occupies a lot of space. What do you think is interesting to you about this degradation process of um, the image? Like the image keeps getting, yeah, more and more. Well, it's it's sort of that, like I said, what 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 a hashtag nature can mean is mm -hmm. it's all over the place, you know? Right. <laughs> um, so that information is already like eroded as to what we consider nature to be. Cause, right. It's nature mediated through like multiple times yeah. through. And it's sort of that this is just sort of playing with that and just further degrading what, you know, this is what I see as nature. This is mm -hmm. what this sees as nature. This is what this sees as nature. This is what this sees as nature. You know, yeah. in a way, it's, it's a similar thing of like sort of giving these objects a voice sort of almost in this. Yeah. This is how they see it. This is how this camera, this is what this camera thinks nature looks like. This is what this and you have the camera on a, like a stick. <laughs> the first it, one. Yeah. The first one, the camera tripod is yeah. just a stick yeah. like, that you found. Yeah. Do you see machines and TVs as being a part of nature or something that's degrading nature or well or... they've yeah uh, both both i mean but they've become mm -hmm. they've become they are just that's nature now. yeah it's nature is screens well and that's i think i was thinking about that and i was that's why i included this one mm -hmm. the uh, geist 2 the photograph with the screen and the, like the rock and yeah it's really really interesting the way that you organize objects in your studio and kind of equalize, you know, <laughs> monitors with rocks that yeah. you found or sticks that you found or th detritus that you found. And they're sort of these objects that you can, you know, lean on walls or yet they still have a function in terms of they still are illuminating light. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that that I see, like the narrative that I as a viewer get when I look at some of your work, especially those video paintings, is I almost see them as, let's say, like a nuclear holocaust happened <laughs> and like right. hundreds of <laughs> years go by and people sort of forget about what TVs are and what how they're used. And they come across a TV and they figure out how to power it. Yeah. Okay. But they have no idea right. that you're supposed to watch baseball games and television shows and they're just looking at it and amazed that it's 
producing this light. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Future primitive, kind of. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. future primitive yeah. in a way, and yeah. it's it's interesting. I. That's definitely in the back of my head when I'm yeah. <laughs> when I'm working. Well, yeah, and you also you mentioned this like sci science fiction matte paintings as an inspiration for some of oh, your work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that was that was this one particular series um, that I did. It was one. The first thing was just a commission at Franklin Street Works, ah. and it was um, and that was for a show titled about like so the influence of painting mm -hmm. and map science fiction map paintings or just any film map paintings are really weird because they're called you know the, and they are paintings but they're never their purpose is never to be a painting their purpose right. is to be this moment in time kind of like your scanner yeah, yeah exactly and i also displayed one of those there there was that's a cool. scanner painting in the show that's cool and so it was just sort of another take on that on a thing that's sort of not supposed to be a painting. But right. It, but it is a painting and it's called a painting, but its sole purpose is to be in this little moment in time. Right. Yeah, that's so cool. Um and I'm a, into science fiction, so science fiction was kind of <laughs> close to home. Right. So there is a sort of apocalyptic yeah. flavor to your work. Yeah. I wanted to also just ask you about your latest you've got this idea about 3D scanning raisins <laughs> yeah. and, and, and working with them. Uh, meditation, Do you want to talk about that? Raisin. Um, or you don't have to, because maybe maybe it's too early to talk about it. Yeah, and, it's still a little bit early. That one's, yeah. you know, that's, that one's just still kicking around in my head mm -hmm. as to what it's going to mean. I mean, what it is, is, is that, is 3D scanning a box of raisins, and I want to set up a VR environment wherein the raisins would be about the size of a soccer ball, and then the user could then sort of interface with a blown-up version of a raisin mm. and sort of meditate on the nuances and the creases and get familiar with each raisin in a box of raisin intimately. That's cool. To what end? <laughs> oh, the one thing uh, to add about the meditation raisins, um, the idea was it was something I was actually, I hadn't scanned them, but it was a meditative practice I was working on wherein I was trying to imagine, you know, I was staring at a raisin and then I'd try to close my eyes and imagine, remember the creases of the raisin mm. and trying to, and sort of spinning it around three-dimensionally in my head over and over. That's cool. I like and, that. Yeah. And trying to remember like which crease led up to where the, you know, where the grape would attach to the stem. You know, that was, that was the big answer that I was trying to find. That's actually a pretty great yeah. meditative <laughs> yeah. process. Yeah. It was, it was a fun exercise. <laughs> When, um, I wanted to ask you about, you know, your decision to be an artist based in New Haven and, you know, your relationship to New Haven and, you know, why do you choose to be here of all cities and what are some of the advantages as an artist and disadvantages as an artist? And, um, yeah, well, I moved back here from Chicago, just sort of be closer to my, my family was, I come from a large family and they were all having children there was nieces mm -hmm. and nephews that i didn't had never met and so yeah and the agreement was i'd come back here and give them a little bit of time and i just found new haven it was a viable place for me to live very on the cheap mm -hmm. and um you know there was a, a warehouse i lived in there was one of them was free one of them was you know sprawling thousands of square feet for a few hundred dollars a month 
there was another, this old mansion where I had just one wing of the mansion as my studio, and that was pretty much free. And, um, and then after I left those places, the studio rentals are pretty affordable too. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I've just made a lot of friends here. I've grown to mm-hmm. like the community. Um, the disadvantages I think are exhibition opportunities. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the biggest thing. Thank you so much yeah, for taking the time to talk about your work. It's yeah, thanks for listening to me. Been a really fascinating, <laughs> interesting conversation. I'm glad that I know more about what you do. Oh, thanks. Remember to subscribe to us on iTunes. If you like the show, give us a good rating. And if you have a moment, write a review. Thanks for listening. Special thanks to Bruce Barber, director of WNHU, for providing the resources and guidance to make this podcast possible.